Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. This is my dad, Ted. Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Knightsky. Sometimes I find a person who really gets me thinking differently about a traditional problem. And in the case of this episode, the problem is, how do we support people on the verge of burning out? Well, sometimes in order to do that, we need to find somebody who actually did. And in this case, Amber Harper is that person. Her and I had the most fun talking about her book and her life and her experiences and her shared experiences and all the different ways in which we can fuel our futures. I timed this podcast so that my friends who listen can hear from Amber and then go get her book this summer to frame your upcoming year. She has a process, a podcast, and a very helpful website, and she has a great assessment to help you frame what you need to learn about yourself in order to find success and reignite your passion. Take a listen as we discuss her life, her journey, her teaching experiences, and her mindset. I really enjoyed this conversation and would highly recommend you read her book this summer and maybe even re-listen to this episode as the year goes on. All right, so welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. Today I'm joined by author, but more importantly, teacher, uh, Amber Harper. And Amber is someone who I met when we had run out a uh, digital conference for educators across the country. And I'm just really excited to have her here. So Amber, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, our listeners can't hear, but uh, I'm looking at you in your classroom today. And uh, I'm just really excited that, you know, we get to talk to a teacher who's an author and a mother and a partner and wife and all these great roles that so many of us play uh, to discuss those different pieces. So Amber, is uh, we're going to talk about your book and your ideas in a little bit here, but can you start out by just kind of telling us, where'd you grow up? Oh my goodness. I grew up in a very, very small town called Topeka, Indiana. Um, if anybody is familiar with Northeast Indiana and is a, um, a lover of uh, flea markets. Uh, the Shipshawana flea market is pretty popular in the Midwest. People come from all over in droves to, to go to this flea market. Um, it's a very high Amish population. And so I grew up playing in cornfields with our Amish neighbors and, uh, yeah, lots of Amish kids in my classroom. My grandparents both sides grew up Amish. So that that's a huge part of my heritage and my childhood. And uh, went to a very small elementary in a very small town. And that's, you know, that's the long and the short of it. I mean, it could get real boring really quickly if <laughs> you want me to share more details. No, but you got to remember the majority of us uh, grew up in environments like that, you know, around the country in the world where it's, it's small and unique. And we've got the little things that we hold on to. Like I live in a small town. We're famous for fish day because we're, yeah. <laughs> we're on Lake Michigan and, and things like that. So oh, yeah. Tell me a little bit, uh, like Park and Rec's ever filmed in your hometown? That, that, that's fun little, what is it, Pecani, Indiana, or whatever they pretend they're from? <laughs> Pawnee, Indiana, Pawnee, Indiana. Which, is not, which is not a real place, it yeah. turns out. However, my husband did meet, I don't know the name of the actor, but he did meet Ron Swanson in Indianapolis one time. Oh. That's at a hotel. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Fun fact. I doubt it's totally related, but, uh, but yeah, he did meet him, but, uh, 
<laughs> but a, very similar in in a lot of the things that they talk about, you know, small town politics, that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's for real, which you seem to know yourself too. <laughs> yeah. So so then elementary school and middle school, was it K-8's building you were in? No, actually our uh, elementary school was K-4. And then we had what was called they, they did call. Okay. So I went to Westview school corporation. So there were a couple of elementaries and other small towns as well, but then we came together at a middle school that was actually called Westview elementary, which kind of, it made me mad as a fourth grader going into fifth grade. Cause I'm like, I am not in elementary school anymore, <laughs> but, uh, it was fifth and sixth grade and which technically now we still know is elementary. Right. Um, but then I went to junior high at Westview, which is a very small, very, very small high school. And then actually moved to another high school where I met my husband um, and graduated from another district. So tell me about some of the teachers that impacted your life when you were uh, a kid. I have a couple actually. Uh, One was actually my kindergarten teacher, which is so great because I teach kindergarten now. Mrs. Osterland. Uh, She was just very, I just remember her being very loving and very sweet. I don't remember a ton from kindergarten, uh, but I do just remember her just being very happy to see me every day. And that just made me feel amazing. So that's, that's what I want my students to remember about me. And another teacher that had a really big impact on me was actually in a negative way. I had an eighth grade history teacher who was the complete opposite of of Mrs. Osterland. Um, He made me feel um, inferior and stupid and um, like I didn't really, what was my, what's my word? Like I didn't really belong at all um, in, in his classroom and that I shouldn't be there for whatever reason. And that also had an impact on me as a teacher now, because I certainly don't want to make my students feel like that. Um, The biggest impact uh, teacher that I had was in high school um, as a senior. She was an English teacher, Ms. Rohde. And she she had a huge impact on me for kind of a different reason. I, uh, my husband and I got pregnant with our first daughter when I was a senior in high school. And he was a freshman at Purdue University. And she made me feel like hope was not lost for me. And she was the only teacher that made me feel that way. I feel I had not created a very good reputation for myself as a student in high school. I was a class clown. I slept in class. I didn't work very hard. If I would have spent as much time doing the work as I did trying to find somebody to cheat off of, I feel like my GPA would have been much better. Uh, But she helped me to see that this was an opportunity for me to beat the odds and be the underdog, you know, the underdog winner, um, which are all of my favorite movies now. And um, I'll, I'll just never forget her. I remember her just pulling me aside one day. I obviously, I had some rough days that senior year and she just pulled me aside and she just said, Amber, I just want to let you know that you can do whatever you want to do. Nobody has to write your story for you. And uh, that had a huge impact on me. It almost makes me emotional because it really did. It had an impact on my choices from then on. And I, for the first time ever in high school, I was student of the month in a couple of my classes. I got the best grades that I ever got that year. And it just really proved to me, especially as an educator now, what a huge impact, even a small side conversation can have with a student who's struggling to find their place. 
I, I'll tell you what. So you, we, you, we don't know this about each other. And I know the listeners can't see this, but I'm going to show you something. So when I keynote around, I always talk about there are three types of leaders in schools. Mm-hmm. First, there are the Buffalo leaders who charge into the storms that they're facing for themselves and the people that they serve. So the kids. So you have a storm as a young woman in high school, pregnant, and you have one teacher who's charging into that storm for you. The second type of leader, this is going to blow your mind. The second type of leader is the advocate for the underdog. And (laughs) the the teacher who sees the child for their gift instead of their deficit, right? So they're asset-based. They're constantly looking for like who needs lift today, right? So in your most difficult moment where I'm sure you are filled with emotions you had on all spectrums from joy to shame and everything in between and family and all the different dynamics. Here comes this woman in in school who's just kind of like, hey, we can get through this. And then the third leadership style in school, and I believe teachers need to be all three of these. You can't just pick one, right? So you're Buffalo, you advocate for the underdog. And then the third is the tender of acorns, which is the the teacher who recognizes that every child is a nut that has Mm -hmm. fallen on a very far trajectory, high impact into the ground. But it is not our job to protect them and provide the perfect environment around them. But instead, our job is to create the conditions so that that little nut can grow into its own mighty tree someday. And that little tree has to experience failure and grow perseverant and tenacious. But on occasion, just have somebody kind of put their arm around them and say like, hey, I can see what you're going through. It's not going to make me feel sorry for you. Instead, it's going to make me, it's going to make me work for you and with you. Mm. So that's a cool part of your narrative that I was not aware of. And I, I think that one, there's a whole lot of little people in the world who could use that hope. Yeah. I do want to go back to your awesome kindergarten teacher, though, <laughs> because I, I think one of the things that you and I experienced um, parallel is we get to work with some people once in a while who kind of like suck the soul out of us and mm. drop us into these vortexes of negativity. And you've been there, um, which we're going to talk about next. But imagine if your kindergarten teacher had flipped with your middle school teacher and your your onboarding experience had been one of, I don't matter, I'm seen through, and I'm in front of somebody who's having a bad day and and now it's impacting my future. Because leaders are everywhere. All teachers are leaders. We're influencing everywhere. And, you know, your idea burned in and those different components, but like, it's so important for every teacher to recognize and everybody recognize their, their immediate influence on another person and how that can shift their trajectory. I don't remember learning how to learn to read, but I sure do remember how Mrs. Gatsky made me feel when I did something right. Mm-hmm. And that was my kindergarten teacher. Yeah. So yeah. how are you doing that every day off of that? <laughs> oh my gosh. In so many ways. Um, I, when I meet my kids at the door, and actually meet them in the hallway. I walk toward them whenever they come to their, they have lockers in, in our hallway. They have little tiny little lockers. They're so cute. And I, the first thing I will say to them is I look, I look at them right in the eye and I will say something along the lines of Ted, I'm so glad you're here today. You look so nice. Did you get a haircut or, you know, I'll just try to notice something about them because I want them to feel seen. And the same thing goes for my students who come into class consistently late. Hey, 
Hey Brady, I am so glad to see you today. I'm so glad you're here. Go ahead and put your things away. We can't wait for you to come join us. You know, so no matter when they show up or how often it is that they show up late or for whatever reason, I always just let them know how excited I am to see them. Um, throughout the day, then I will find ways to tell them that I trust them, that I'm proud of them. And that I've noticed what a huge, how much they have grown. Um, I'll point out little things like, um, their handwriting or how they're standing in line or how they're being a good listener or being a good friend. Um, you know, some, most of the time it doesn't have to do with academics. It just has to do with them as a person, uh, because I know myself as a 39 year old woman <laughs> that it's nice to have the little things noticed that I either am intentionally doing right or well, or unintentionally am doing right or well. And it's just nice to feel seen and to feel heard. And, uh, and I, one thing that's really funny about the fact that I'm teaching kindergarten this year, this is my first year ever teaching kinders is that I thought that I would, I never thought that I would want to be a kindergarten teacher ever. Um, it wasn't because I, I, I don't know what it was. I just didn't feel like I could handle it or let, that I would know what to do with brand new students that a lot of the students have never had any experience with education at all, but I have found that that's the reason that I love it so much is because I get to help them celebrate themselves as a human being and as a person in a community where many of my students have never been celebrated. They've never been told uh, uh, how wonderful they are or how proud they make me. Um, and, and for me, that is a privilege and a gift to be able to show them that there are people in the world and there are people in their lives that really care about them and, and that see their potential to have a huge impact on the world. And I, you know, I say this and I realize that that's the same thing that I noticed in Mrs. Rody and, um, or Ms. Rody. And that just makes me really proud because obviously I am living her teaching legacy and I'm trying to do the same thing for my kids. Well, that's why, you know, so one of the activities for you to do and others, um, and it's a, it's a hundred plus episodes prior to this one is, is to sit down and reflect on who are your Mount Rushmore's who's on your Mount Rushmore, um, for like, as an educator, like, who are those influential people that you run across in your life, right? So one of the things I, I don't want people to look past though is, because like you said, oh, I greet the kids in the hall, I do this. You know, that's not a kindergarten concept. Mm -mm. That's a no, I've done it with all school. of the grades I've taught, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's like, you are so invisible when you turn like 14 years old all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And the other piece that I, I think is important, and you're also a mother, is this, is this, um, evolution away from reinforcement, right? So like when a kindergartner comes to school and she has all of her stuff and she sits appropriately, it's like, look at you. Oh my gosh, look at the, right. And then you go back just two years prior to that when they were three and they were being potty trained and there's like confetti cannons going off. Look who's getting a little pony because she pooped on the potty and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and like, true. yeah, look who ate their peas and you were taking yeah. pictures and you're on Instagram, you know, Jimmy ate blah, blah. And then you're like 14 years old. And instead of hearing like all the good about you, there's one key question that's constantly asked to every middle schooler in high school. What is wrong with you? Why can't you? Mm -hmm. What were you thinking? Right? Yeah. That person is only twice or three times the age of that little kindergartner. Yeah. And 
go ahead. I, I was just going to say, it's interesting that you bring up a 14 year old. I have a 13 year old myself and Greatest she age. is, what's that? Greatest age. Yeah, It is a great age. It is a great age, but it's also a very challenging age um, because, you know, different children have different uh, personalities, you know, different things that they enjoy or don't enjoy. She is very different than our oldest who will be 21 very soon. And, um, our 13 year old is someone who she does not want to be called out good or bad in front of her class, but she does want to know that you care about her and that she is seen. She needs to have affirmation that she is on the right track and rarely from what we have seen now, I, as, as a parent and as a teacher, you know, I see both sides there, there may be times where she gets that and she just doesn't tell me, but from what we hear at home, she's not getting that in her middle, middle school experience and now going into high school next year. And, uh, that, that makes me really sad as a mom and as a teacher, because she doesn't see herself as a good student, because the only time she ever hears anything from her teachers is when she's missing an assignment or she did something wrong or she failed a quiz. And I will tell you, she is very, very much like me academically. She is a much better child than I was socially <laughs> um, as far as doing the right thing and making good influential friends. Um, but when it comes to academics, she is very unimpressed. Um, she does want to do the right thing, but she needs that affirmation that she is on the right path and that her teacher genuinely cares that she is in the room. Who doesn't want that? I mean, who does, whether no, or not you have, you're very extroverted or introverted. And, and that's the thing is that like great teachers recognize one little thing, and that's that you can't have the same formula for every child. And you can't use last year's formula on this year's group because generationally and experientially and all those different things are so different. And the reason I, I was a middle school teacher, high school, middle school teacher, but I was also a middle school principal for a long time. And it's such a vulnerable age mm -hmm. because like they still laugh at fart jokes, but they act too <laughs> cool for them. Right. Let's be honest. I mean, I still laugh at fart jokes. Yeah, that's good. So, that's good. I mean <laughs> well, I'm glad we both share the 13 year old. <laughs> uh maturity set right but but that's something that like i don't know why we get away from it and and you know she, all she needs to do is have somebody be like hey look at you yeah and that'll, that'll lift your spirit for like a week yeah yeah and i think too where you and i will have a huge connection here with you know what we're talking about here today too with leadership is that teachers want that from their leaders just like students want that from their teachers um Teachers want to be seen and heard, not just when they're doing something wrong, but when they're doing something right, because in those, you know, when you build that relationship with them and uh, a teacher to a principal or a student to a teacher, when they know they can trust you and you know that they care, they are much more likely to come to you and be vulnerable when things are there at their hardest. And that is something that I value so much as a teacher to a principal or to my principal is that for the first time ever in my teaching career this year, I'm at a new school. Um, I have so much trust with my principal and I, I know what it's like to not have that. And I do not take it for granted because she makes an effort to help me to see, to be seen and be heard. And I know that 
I can share wins with her and I can share the suck with her and ask for help when I need it. Um, and whether or not she has an answer, she's going to help me to find it. Um, and it's just, it's invaluable. Yeah. I, and to your point, I, I think one of the things, and especially like with your book and your work, you know, being burned in, mm-hmm. you know, another strategy that we have to get better at is teaching colleagues how to recognize the way they do get affirmation during the day. Mm-hmm. Because I think too many of us are waiting for our boss, quote unquote, in the hierarchy to give us affirmation where we we sometimes actually have to teach each other like, no, 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 no. Did you just see that child say this was really cool? Mm-hmm. That should be equal affirmation as the principal coming in and saying, I saw that. And yeah. colleagues need to do a better job of pretending that like they don't notice the quality of what's going on around them. Mm-hmm. That that always drove me nuts. Like you two people working next to each other, doing amazing things would step out in the hallway and go like, oh, you know, today. And just because like that was accepted, but then they'd go in the room and they'd light the world on fire. Be like, I don't understand this. So let's go ahead. I was just going to say, it's really interesting because when I, when I talk about burn and teacher, especially to people who have read the book or, um, who have been through my course or are in the mastermind, I am careful to let them know that there are two sides of isolation on this burned in spectrum spectrum. When you are at what I call a stage zero of burnout and you are complete, you are just completely burned out. If you're completely burned out at a zero, you probably have never heard of Amber Harper. You're not searching for any solutions. You are just at rock bottom. It's a very dark place. I've been there. Uh, So it's very isolating because you are just, you don't want to talk to anybody about it. You don't want, or if you are, it's extremely negative. There's no way out. There's, there's no other way to be whatever. But when you get to the other side of the spectrum at, at a stage five of burned in, there's another side of isolation there because you have, you know, in that, in that scenario of your two teachers who are doing, just, you know, lighting the world on fire in their classrooms and then coming out into the hallway, it's almost expected that you should complain about how hard things are. Um, and it's almost in, in, in some forms, it's less acceptable to talk about how amazing your day was or how well things are going for you on a consistent basis. So one really powerful part about burned in teacher is about surrounding yourself with people who you can speak that burned in language with that, that of course, you're not going to have a beautiful, perfect blue sky day, you know, every day, but for the most part, you can just talk about how you're growing and how you're changing and how well things are going and how this didn't work out. But you know, this is just part of your, you know, a small part of your day in your life and you're going to move on and try better, you know, try, try to do better the next time. Um, so there can be some isolation too, with feeling really good about your career and education, because it's much more popular to talk about how miserable it is and how thankless and awful, you know, our days are and how terrible the kids are behaving and all of these expectations and how unsupported we are and underpaid and undervalued, um, rather than focusing on what you do have control over and what you are doing to grow in your own journey. That's, that's why I love your work. And, (laughs) and, you know, I, I had talked about this a couple months ago. I, I was uh, walking down the hallway. I was probably 28 years old, a few years into teaching. And I was walking with our school psychologist. And we're going to go watch the middle school choir concert, like at the end of the day or middle of the day. It's during the holidays. And I mumbled to him. I'm like, I have so much to do. I cannot believe they're making us go down to this concert. And he just turned to me. And all he said was, we're getting paid to be there. Yes. And, and it like flipped the switch because 
seven years prior to that, I was uh, taking 18 credits, bartending, cutting grass, like working 75, 80 hours a week to get to a point where I have a livable wage, a happy life. And I am moaning about going to a choir concert to watch the students that I love perform and do something that they like and highlight a colleague who got them to do something amazing. And I walked into this, like I said, this vortex of soul sucking and it flipped my whole career. I was like, that's so stupid. He's right. And I don't know you, you respond to the statement. Like, I think we're allowed bad moments, but sure. I don't know about a 7.5 hour bad day. Like yeah. that's a struggle for me to be that pessimistic or that stuck. So how well, do you deal with that? That's, that's a really great question because that used to be me. Um, but it comes down to a couple of things. And this is where I have to preface this, where I don't know, you know, who's listening to this. I don't know what their life is like. I don't know what personal, you know, trauma that they've been through. I don't know what their school life is like. I'm not coming at anything that I have to say from a place of judgment. You know, everybody is on their own journey, on their own path, but there comes a point where if you don't change it, you choose it. And I know that at one point I was just choosing the easier thing, which was to keep doing the same thing I was doing that to keep thinking and believing and saying the same things, because that those are always the things that I've believed and thought and said. And, and, um, it, it wasn't until I, I finally had a very public breakdown in front of my teacher friends that I was like, oh, it was almost that rock bottom moment where you have that, you just have a realization that it's like, if I, if I don't choose differently, nothing is going to change and I can't change anything but me. That's not to say that I wasn't working in a negative school culture. That's not to say that things weren't hard, but what it came down to is I had to change my mindset. And this is where you can also tell where people are on their journeys, because if you tell somebody to change their mindset, you'll, oh, you'll sometimes get rolling eyes like, oh, of course, my yeah. mindset. Here we go with toxic positivity. <laughs> yes. And yeah. this is where this I have, is- a, I have a gesture for that, that they can't hear on the podcast. <laughs> like we're Same. done. Well, and, and here's the thing when I hear, yes, because we have, we have some terms that are thrown out there now that if you are self-aware, if you are internally and externally self-aware, which many of us are not, um, we can easily flip that whenever people say, oh, well, I would change my mindset if they would change the way that, or our government would change that, then I would change my mindset. Well, that is that, um, have be do mentality, you know, when I have a better job or when I have more time or when I have summers, then I'll make the changes that I need to make. Or when I, when I retire, then I'll be happy. And what my belief is, and this maybe was the long form way of coming around to an answer is that I believe in be, do, have. I have to be the person and be the teacher and be the mom that I want to be now so I can do the things that that person would do to have what it is that I want to have. If I want to have a balanced life, then I have to be a balanced person because a balanced person does the things that I need to do in order to have that balanced life. Am I perfect? 
Absolutely not. Have I skipped workouts this week like crazy? Yep. But I know that this, this week is just a season and that I'm going to be back to my normal at, as soon as tomorrow. Right. <laughs> but I, I believe that if, if I want to be happier, if I want to love teaching, if I want to continue this career, then I have to be the person that loves their career now and finds the things to love about it, even on the hardest of days. And, you know, even if it's to carry me through until two 30, if it's an especially rough day, um, being a burned in teacher does not mean that you are sunshine and rainbows and you are spewing that toxic positivity. That's not at all who I believe that I am. And that's not what I expect anybody to be, but it's being a burn in teacher is being prepared for that hardship that, you know, is going to come being prepared for those road bumps and those roadblocks, even that will come in life. That's part of being alive. And what a gift that we have to be able to face these challenges and look at them as an opportunity to grow and, and to change. If that is important, if it's an important enough for us, then we need to change it. Um, for example, this year, you know, again, I've never taught kindergarten before, and I have experienced some behaviors and some challenges before I've never experienced before in my career. And there were days that I, I ended in tears, you know, not, not drama, you know, but just like, wow, that was really freaking hard. And I finally, I went out and purchased a classroom management course and it has changed the game for me because I'm not going to wait for a school sponsored PD. I'm not going to wait for somebody to come in here and tell me what to do. It's I, it's way too important to me to have better days and to help kids to manage them themselves. Um, it's way too important to me to wait. I'm going to do it now. And, um, so I guess I hope that answers your question, but it's, it's yeah. a very, very, that's a very deep one. <laughs> Again, like, that's why, that's why I, you know, everybody's got to read your book. Uh, we got to look for opportunities to be in the room with you. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I believe that to help people coach to the mindset of being, um, you know, engaged in their own happiness, success, and, and defining their own purpose, there's two questions I always ask them, and, and that is to end your day driving home, what did I get, what did I do well for others today? Mm-hmm. And, and taking it off of yourself, because it's so easy to be a victim of the things that happen. Oh, this parent sent me this email, set my day off wrong, and then Billy pooped in the circle, and then this happened, and, and, this, and then my principal walked past my room and gave me a weird look, and I, I just build this really crazy narrative, and then by the end of the day, how was your day? Oh, it was a horrible day. Mm-hmm. Really? You think the children in your classroom go home and say, it was a horrible day. You should have seen what happened to my teacher. Like, no, you're there in the moment in the present doing the very best job you can. So then when you reflect, like, what did I get to do for others? Wow, it's a really long list compared to what happened to me. Yeah. And then the second one, to your point, is what do I get to do? And what did I get to do? Not have to or forced. And that's that. Like you said, you still have to opt into those those types of reflective exercises. And that's why people turn to you or or like me to like, what do I gotta do to be different? Cause I'm trapped around these people. Yeah. And like you said, you have to you have to choose out. Well, I, I compare it to having six pack abs. <laughs> you know, it, it's really easy for us to say. I'm going to get fit. I'm going to have six pack abs, right? I'm going to have the perfect beach body, but to actually do the things that you need to do to get that, that six pack, 
it's hard. It's very hard. It's very hard to change habits. As, as you probably well know, we are very habitual species. And when we fall into habits of, you know, whatever it be, you know, our, our daily habits, our eating habits, our teaching habits, you know, we are creatures of habit. And so you really do have to draw a line in the sand and make a decision that you are going to do things differently. Um, so, you know, and I say, you know, the burn-in process itself is really simple. It's an eight-step acronym and it, it sounds really simple, but the fact is, is it's not easy because you're having to change a lot of things that you've done maybe for a very long time. And maybe even more importantly, you're going to have to change a lot of the beliefs that you have formed over the years about your job, about your capabilities, about your habits, about your teacher brand um, that you have created over, you know, a repeated process over several, like I said, maybe even a decade or more. And it's going to, and, and even changing the people that you hang around with the most, which is really hard um, whenever they just fuel your burnout fire when you're really struggling. Yeah. Um, so that, that's, mm -hmm. again, no, go ahead. it's just awesome. And the difference between when I say it versus when you say it, um, and, and I don't know that the whole world knows that you are, that you get to be married to a, an administrator, I um, do. <laughs> but, um, you're, you're in the classroom. Yeah. So it's not like you, you reached a certain level and now I'm an author and I'm a speaker and this, you need to be like me. It's like, Hey, here's a, here's an, here's a recipe. You can choose in and out of the, of the burned in process. But, you know, it's it's still a choice. So, yes. Amber, we are running out of time here because you have Roundup tonight, Kindergarten Roundup, right? We do have Kindergarten Roundup tonight, yeah. Which, which when I was an administrator, I always thought that sounded like a rodeo, like, you know, I, you guys. You're, <laughs> We're roping them in. Yeah, you heard a little sheep. <laughs> um, so, two questions for you as, as we close out here. First mm -hmm. is this, what's a good day for you? Oh my, well, a good day for me does not begin at school. A good day for me actually begins with a good night's sleep. Um, it is a 420 alarm, getting out of bed, getting an hour workout in. Amber um, said 420. I did say 420. Unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> Every middle school principal is laughing right now. <laughs> oh, right, right. And we are, we are coming up on uh, 420 yes. very soon. <laughs> Uh, so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm an early riser. I love to get up early. I love to go to bed early. Uh, so good night's sleep, a good hour workout, a good cup of coffee out the door by six 30, um, getting into school and just having, you know, a good 45 minutes to ease into my day, check in on my plans. Um, and just, gosh, watching my kids come in and make their morning choices and just going through the day and watching them smile at each other. And I, I love singing with my kids. So being able to, you know, sing our little songs and see them do, you know, what I've taught them to do, um, you know, talking with, with my teacher friends in the hallway, my, my teaching partner is fantastic. So goofing off with her, um, and going home and, and doing it all over again the next day. You know, I used to be somebody that really loved to do or loved the idea of, gosh, what would it be like to go to an office every day? Um, or gosh, it'd be so quiet every day. Well, I'm going to be honest with you, Ted. I left the classroom in 2018 to do, um, to do burn and teacher full time. And I came back because I wanted noise. 
<laughs> I wanted to be up and around and moving and talking. I wanted the buzz of a classroom. I missed it so much. I missed everything about teaching. And, um, and that's why I chose to come back is because this, these are my people. These, this is, this is what I want my day to be day in and day out. People who don't work in schools don't recognize one thing. There are, uh, there is energy that you cannot describe that comes when you walk in the building. You know, when, when all of a sudden at nine 30, you can smell the you know, the reheating chicken nuggets wafting down the hallway and then you're, and then you're hungry. And then some idiot burns popcorn in the lounge and then, and then, you know, little kids and, and boogers and, and middle school kids with, you know, armpits and ax and high school kids, you know, walking around with aftershave on and like you, you, there, there is an energy and a fuel that comes from that. And that's why like with your burned in idea that, Sometimes we look past the things that have given us purpose and fuel and we get trapped. And that, that's why I love your work. Last oh, question. Yes. 180 song. So I do this thing all the time. Every group I bring together, every training, every team, we, we put together a playlist and it's based upon your 180 song. So if, if a song came on the radio, your iPod, whatever, and you heard it and it, it's the one song that would completely change the direction of your day. No matter what was going on, if this song came on, boom, it would send you in a different direction. What's your 180 song, Amber? Unstoppable by Sia. Hey, that's a great song. Mm-hmm. I love that yeah. song. And I love that you have a playlist because I actually have a Burn In Teacher Spotify playlist that anybody can find. Ooh, well, we'll go on there. Yeah. I'll send I'll send you a couple of ours because I do a student leadership piece and when the students come in, we certify middle schoolers and high schoolers in student leadership uh, using all optimism and Buffalo mindset work. And uh, it's really cool because like kids, you'd think they'd put on there a lot of stuff and they've got like Jackson 5 and Coldplay. And basically it's whatever they grew up listening to. Yeah. And it's not their music. It's like, oh no, when my dad was in a bad mood, he'd crank this song and we'd all dance to it. So Oh, that's awesome. I have to say too, a good feel good song for me. And it's not even like a feel good song, but it just makes me happy is whiskey glasses by Morgan Wallen. I just love that song. And I, if I hear that song, I just, I, I just feel like I'm having a good time. I totally not school appropriate, but it's just an energetic song for me. I don't know. No, but it's a good, it's a good pull up or walk out of the building (laughs) song. Right. It sure is. <laughs> oh, Amber, this, yeah. this is a, this has been awesome. Tell us where we can find all of your stuff. Uh, definitely burnedinteacher.com. That's where you can learn more about me and the process and, you know, how I can help um, individual teachers and schools. And you can find me on Instagram at burned in teacher and send me a DM. You can send me an email at support at burnedinteacher.com as well. If you have any questions. So Amber, I just want to thank you uh, on behalf of the profession but most importantly, every kid whose teacher walks away from you with a new mindset because you're a kindergarten teacher, which means that by the end of kindergarten, 20% of that child's life has been with you. One of the five years of their life has been with you. That's by the true. time a kid, that. when a kid graduates from one of our high schools, 52% of their waking hours has been with a teacher in front of them. And we cannot underestimate the importance of having a burned in person in front of every child. So I love what you do. I love your enthusiasm. And I just seriously, on behalf of the profession, uh, thank you because uh, we need people like you to remind us that it is a choice 
to be a teacher. And more importantly, it's a choice to be burned in. So you're awesome. And thank you for your time today. Thank you so much, Ted. I appreciate it. Have fun at the roundup. Giddy up. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So let's do some smart thinking. List ways in which you can approach your day to own your mindset. List your takeaways from our conversation that you can bring up to your colleagues, loved ones, and those that you support in an effort to get people burned in. And finally, describe what you're going to do different now that you heard from Amber all the ways in which she approached her life and career. That's it. That's the Smart Thinking Podcast. Hey, as always, thank you for listening, and please share this episode with every teacher who needs it. And thank you to the Well Pennies for their great music. Please make sure to follow them on your music platform and share and rate this episode. Now, as we head into summer and everyone goes into summer mode, summer Megan is right around the corner. Or if you're in the Southern hemisphere of the world, I apologize. Enjoy fall and the start of your school year, but listen to this podcast again and create a process for yourself or those you serve to ensure that they get the skills, the energy and ownership needed in order to support success. Find yourself in negative cultures and step out. Summer. It allows us to absorb vitamin D from the sun, grow our knowledge, recharge our batteries, and more importantly, revisit our purpose. Our purpose, after all, is to be leaders, leading with influence and charging into every storm we are facing. This summer offers us a step closer to a fall and a new school year that may, just may, bring us back to some of our old traditions. We will have new challenges, I can guarantee it, but we will also face old challenges. However, we will have each other, our mindset, and all of our choices within our own control. Buffaloes charge into the storm. They are always charging into the storms that they face. And that is what makes us the smart thinkers that we are. That's what makes us different. That's what positions us to do our best every day to seek the ultimate version of ourselves. So we need to look for the opportunity to learn and grow from our challenges. And like Amber shared, we can pivot with purpose all day long, every day, in order to be a better version of ourselves. Oh, it's me, everybody, and you. Alone, on the other side of the room. But you seem like the only one there Just watching the world unaware And I hope you notice me
me mm-hmm. 